I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. of the Lost Words podcast. We are on a bank holiday Monday, which is always nice, well rested, which means we can uh, get it out slightly earlier, Jason. Um, you've had a week off as well. I've had a week off, thank you very much. Good afternoon instead of good evening, Tom. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? I actually quite like this, but uh, you know, real life gets in the way. Um, another exciting Sunday, another typical European tour Sunday, as we'll go into that event first. Um when you looked at the leaderboard on Saturday night, you probably expected someone to come from the uh, come from behind and win that, didn't you? Uh, I did, as I as I said in my in my thing, um, in my article on. But you know, as you, you, it's very difficult. We discussed it earlier. It's very easy to oppose players in front, to be honest with you. And I think uh, actually no, it's PGA, wasn't it? Um, you know, we've had a few come from behind, come from behind uh, winners on the European and the PGA. I think. In fact, I know we get onto it, but I think Cantley was the first in 14 tournaments or something to hold a, uh, a joint or clear third round lead and go on to win. But anyway, European Tour, yeah, uh, they do what they do. Crans was absolutely awesome. I mean, rivalling uh, Valderrama, not quite getting there, but, you know, definitely rivalling him. And um, it bit back, it, it, you know, they, they, although, you know, Rasmus obviously shot low yesterday. Um, it bit back on Saturday and um, Sunday wasn't easy either I thought it was an absolutely fantastic tournament it really asked a lot of questions of a lot of people um, you had a mixture of players up there uh, it's unfortunate that you know I wasn't on, on the right one um, to be fair look, we discussed earlier the winner made a lot of sense uh, he came off the pace he shouldn't have won anyway should he Bert Wiesberger was extraordinarily unlucky in the bunker on 18 should he have been in the bunker no but you know he, he didn't hit that shot. He hit a pebble or stone or something, and uh, such is life. It, it destroyed him because I, I thought his sort of pitch to get up and down for bogey in a playoff was shocking. Worst shot of his worst shot of the day. Uh, that's life, though, isn't it? I think you know what that meant to him. That like making par there. Not only is it a win, but you know Ryder Cup. Um, you know that's massive for him. I think it's tough because I sort of asked this earlier, like what would Rasmus Hogard have to do now between now and the Ryder Cup to get in but it seems very very harsh now to leave Wiesberger out I mean Poulter and Sergio are locks I think um, so you're basically all vying for one um, if, if Lowry falls out of the, of the automatic because Perez or Wiesberger does something then he's going to get the third one but it's very open if Lowry you know Lowry you know, stays where he is I almost think that Harrington probably wants Rose just to do something over, you know, at Wentworth because it makes it easier. Because you know you've got kind of Wiesberger, you've got McIntyre, you've got uh, Stenson coming back to form at the right time, you've got Hogard that's playing very, very well. I think he's probably too young and too early, but you know, Wiesberger's won nine times, or nearly would have won nine times the European Tour. He won yesterday five times. I think it would have been in the last sort of three years. It's it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, he's playing well. Yeah, it's, it's a hard one, isn't it? I've no idea which way they're going to go, um, and I'm not going to even guess. No, um, I, I just hope they don't get Rasmus along like they did with Reese Davis, get him to drive a buggy and completely screw up his career. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, I don't know. I mean, it's tough, but I think that that would have a massive impact on him, and and I hope 
and, and and we'll obviously come on to this in a minute, that he bounces back this week and has a really good week because it'd be a real shame for him to sort of, you know, because he didn't he didn't like you say he didn't chuck it away and it was nerves that got to him. He he did he hit something in the bunker or you know and, and it was quite unlucky to even bounce in the way it did as well. So I don't know. It, you have got done well. Obviously, you can't you shoot at sixty three on Sunday and and you give yourself a chance, then then great. Um, you know, Sean Crocker, you know the, the same old thing about him, isn't it? He's, he's led the strokes gained approach for the third time now in five starts. The other two times he missed a cut. So um, flying around seventy is not going to get the job done. Um, not with people chasing you down like that. It, so tough. It, to be fair to Crocker, I mean, he, you know, he he missed five or six putts that mm. okay yeah he, he does do that but they were tight i mean you know they weren't far off at all um but that, like you say yeah he's he's done it a lot now and, and it's just it's just hard isn't it i mean he's he's the type of bloke that you're gonna want sitting four off the lead at sort of 20 to one overnight going into the last day and hopefully he doesn't see a leaderboard i don't think that he does anything particularly wrong no well, that's uh, what i was going to say is like you said so tight isn't it I think now, you know, he had the chance. It was was he three behind last weekend going into Sunday or two behind, and and he had the lead this weekend. And like you say, I don't think he does an awful lot wrong. It's just that the weakness of his game has always been putting, which means he gives himself something to do on Sunday every time. I think the fact he's had these now two experiences back to back, I think that's massive. Um, you know, he's, he's not someone that's always in contention and throwing it away. He's just someone that's always hitting the ball well, and it's so he's always in the forefront of people's minds. You know. He opened with a 71 on Thursday, so that's just as much cost him as, as the 70 in the final round. And, and like you say, he was unlucky with some of his putts, but you need that to you need that to improve throughout the course of the week to to not you know rely on the luck of, of those going in. So I, I think you know I think he's going to win soon. I think it's going to happen. Um, I don't necessarily think that he's someone that if he wins, it's going to be floodgates open because I think there's just the putting is invariably going to be something that always holds him back. Um, but the main skill set is his approaches, and that is always going to stick with him, hopefully. So I really like his chances anywhere. It's just it's just going to be the luck of the greens, I think. But I think there was a lot of players that kind of impressed. You know, I was quite impressed with Matthew Jordan. Um, yeah. I think that he takes a step forwards sort of both times. He's kind of had a chance to get in contention. He's shot under par. He's not quite done enough. Um, you know, 69-69 over the weekend as opposed to you know, 67, 67 or whatever, you know, a really low round like Rasmus had. But he doesn't look kind of frightened to do it. I think he's just not doing it, you know, when it matters. Callum Hill had, I think, the best weekend of anyone joint with, with Hogard, you know, 67, 66. So there's loads of really impressive performances over the weekend. Um, and like you said, I think it was just a really, really good tournament. I think, you know, the fact that James Morris on open with a 60 on Thursday um, and the winner only shot three better than that, at the end of the 72 holes. I don't think the score over the two or third round was, was Burmester was 11 under, wasn't he, after two rounds? So mm, yeah. it was very consistent scoring. I mean, it's got to kind of 17 and, and 20 under before in the past. So I think it really, really settled well. I mean, it looked quite cold over the weekend, so that helped. Um, but yeah, I think great tournament and uh, sets the next couple of weeks up really nicely. I think the schedule looks really good for the next few weeks. Can't argue with you. Yeah, interesting. Like none of the leaders on day two done anything day three. Uh, I think I said they were eleven over for their front nine combined. Wow. Um, that was Burmester, Sullivan, and Dietrich. So uh, you know, a couple of winners there, and, and uh, you know, a non-winner. Um, 
<laughs> and then the same again sort of happens. Only Matt Jordan, I, I've, I've actually sort of made a little note from this week just to keep an eye on him. Um, I don't know how he actually finished like that because every time he was doing something, something went wrong, I thought. So to be able to return the figures that he did um, off some rough putting and some you know, the occasional dodgy, uh, well, dodgy everything. There was dodgy bits everywhere. I, I'm very impressed that he managed to get there and players that can do that without doing anything special I think yeah they're definitely ones to watch aren't they I wonder yeah. whether he needs um, a bit more experience on the bag himself but um, yeah he'll know better than me well and, and that's the thing and I've kind of sort of spoke about it I did you know a little plug here but I've started a newsletter to coincide with the podcast and and you can now subscribe to that on uh, all the details right there on Twitter and everything but I sort of said that Jordan was one of the winners last week in terms of obviously didn't get the job done but I think it was really impressive. I think now he's had two weeks out of the last three where he's been in the heat of the battle. He's had a, a relatively average year to date up until sort of the last couple of months or so. Um, and now, like you say, I think I think the fact that the things were going wrong, they don't tend to really phase him as much. I think that he's, he's he looks really young, but he's actually 25. Um, but he's only been professional for three years. So there's still plenty to learn. I think that he, I don't I don't look at him in the way that I look at Thomas Dietrich and have concerns of when it's going to happen. I think it will happen. I always thought it was just going to happen in Scotland or or the Dunhill Links or the Irish Open, anything like that, just a kind of linksy or British affair. But I think he's kind of shown last week that he can kind of mix it up. Um, and again, yeah, I think I think he could go well this week. Yeah, he's a runner this week, isn't he? Yeah. But let's go sort of from the top. Obviously, Matt Fitzpatrick is the 14-1 to favourite. Tommy Fleetwood is best price eighteen to one. Bernd Wiesberger twenty to one. Callum Hill twenty eight to one, and then Hogard and Migliozzi are both twenty eight to one as well. Um, no real surprises to me that Fitzpatrick is is the favourite. I think he's been playing some really really good golf over in America. Like I said before, it has kind of burnt away. I think maybe over the last few weeks that kind of come to an end. But he was in really really good form. He's got a second and third uh, in this event. Um, second in 2019 which you'll come on to in a minute um, may be significant as well would, would you make him the sort of shorter price favourite? He's got two you, on, on world rankings and stuff like that but um, of, of those I mean Fitzpatrick will be there he just doesn't win enough for me um, but yeah he yeah, must have a great chance but like you say 2019 he was burned by Wiesberger <laughs> <laughs> Did you have that lined up or no? I did, once you said your line about a minute ago, I thought, yeah, I'll have that one. <laughs> um, so he was burned by Wiesberger um, in 2019 on um, the, oh, it, it's not pronounced right, Olgiata, Olgiata track, uh, which I believe was redesigned by uh, Jim Fazio, who was tasked with redesigning this um, Mario Simone course for the Ryder Cup this year. Correct me if I'm wrong, Tom. You are correct. Sure well, it's Marco Simone, but that's, you know, apart from that, everything else. Oh, correct. Marco, sorry. Marco, that's a C, isn't it? Not an I. <laughs> uh, um, and I thought of the past, I mean, we know French Open form tends to tends to continue wherever it's played, Italian Open, Spanish Open, they all they all tend to, to sort of combine into each other form-wise. So I thought 2019 was possibly uh, more significant than 2020, which I think was a bit a bit more open. I, bizarrely, the one that Boss McGowan won on 7,500-yard course, <laughs> beating, beating Laurie Cantor and Dean Burmaster. That was very, very painful. Um, but yeah, I had again last that. week at 500 one as well. 
Ah, it was it was to be fair to him, yeah. I mean, top mate, but then that course was far more. Yeah, it's like last year. Absolutely. So so fair play. He's returned to form at exactly the right time. This is obviously what's about seven two, I think, something like that. Um, and I, I went along the lines of the old Giata, old Giata form. Um, and on that leaderboard, obviously, Wiesberger beat Fitzpatrick. In there, you've got Andrew Johnson, Robin McIntyre. It's a decent, it's a decent, um, decent leaderboard. Um, and Tita Green was just, just huge there. I mean, as it always is on these Continental Opens with, with proper in inverted commas courses. Um, you got Wiesberger with 16th, Tita Green, and you go all the way down. You've got Beef who was first, Tita Green. So you get the first, second, third, fourth, and then everybody else was in the top 17 um, of the top eight that finished. Uh, you also had uh, of the top uh, six, I think five of the top six had a top ten within the last three outings. Um, Kitayama being the only one that was that was the outlier, but he was 14th. So I think you've got to come here in form. I think last week's Tita Green is very significant. That's a really difficult course, but it will set him up beautifully just for a trip across the Alps. Um, and I actually really think Wiesberger has a massive chance. I know he's priced as if he's got a massive chance. But we've always, we've always had uh, we've had Callum Hill losing the hero and then winning the um, down in uh, the London club the week after. And Rasmus, who lost that um, uh, Kent event uh, from the front, comes out and wins in Switzerland the week after. So if that's got anything to do with anything, um, Wiesberger, who admittedly wasn't in front but did have the tournament in the bag, uh, will come on and uh, get compensation here on a course that he's it, it's got to suit him. You know, obviously Austrian. Um, he knows the area. He knows just the, the type of track that this is going to be. Um, last week his figures were were great. I mean, apart from round two, you know, he's up there and approaches and tee to green. He was eleventh in putting over the weekend, and it was it was one error, wasn't it? It was one shot that cost him the tournament. Um, I think he's got so much in his favour. I think twenty to one. It's not it's not a gimme by any means, but I think you've got to have him at the top top lot. I think he's the type of player that, like, you know, the only time he's ever really priced really short and, and probably to the level that he should be is when he's literally the only decent player at the top of the market. When there's a Fitzpatrick or a Fleetwood or any one person, even if it's not the two of them, he tends to get pushed out a little bit because he's not quite as popular as them, which is, which is absolutely fine, but it kind of suits us. And we were talking last night and, you know... You just mentioned about Crans being a link and the fact that it's a recent event and, and all those sort of things, but it's actually there's a bit of elevation change here, you know, tree line. It that Eduardo Romero won this event in 1994, whatever it was, at this course. He's a two times winner at Crans. He finished third to Barry Lane um, at the Forest of Arden, who's also a Crans winner. Um, you know, I think it was. Andres Forsbrand was fourth at this course in 94 and lost the playoff uh, at Crans. Rob Lee uh, was top 10 here. He lost in Kenya in a playoff and that was linked to Crans. So I think that, I think, you know, besides the obvious of just being in form helps, I think the, the actual course itself might be a good pointer. And, and like you say, you've now got that plus the 2019 renewal as well as something to go by. That helps sort of not whittle it down but it's, it takes you sort of opens your eyes a bit when you're coming to a new course and it may be a bit daunted by the prospect hopefully <laughs> hopefully obviously it's a different track to, to what Ramiro won I've, I, you know, as I was reminded by someone over the weekend um, a bit remiss to see that but like you say I, I think you know what you know they're next door to each other 
Uh, they're not a million miles away from each other. And uh, like, yeah, like I say, there's a bit a few trees on this course, a bit of water um, by the greens. The greens don't look that big, but on, on its sort of initial look. Um, yeah, like I say, I think if you take last week's form and I prefer 2019, then uh, hopefully you can't go that much wrong. No, I agree, and I, think, you know, I agree with everything you said about Vert Vita as well. So, Callum Hill, like we've said, is you know is in an incredible form. Really, um, the only slight drawback, which is you know ridiculous in the game of golf that we do say, is whether they can keep it up when someone's in form for so long. Um, but you know, he's three top sevens now um, in a row. We we sort of spoke about him a lot during the lockdown period, where or just come out of lockdown period where. He might have just been someone that benefited from the lack of crowds and you know the resort-style courses, but he, he has now shown since he's come back to a proper schedule that he's right up there, and this might actually be his level. So, quite impressed to see, you know, quite interested to see how he does in this level of field now with a, you know a couple of better guys in the field, a um, bit more to play for. So, be interested to see how he goes. Um, Hoygaard and Migliotti, the other two at twenty-eight to one, sort of any interest in those two? Yeah, quality, aren't they? Uh, what, what else can you say? I mean, Migliozzi, I think it was his short game that saved him last week, wasn't it? Looking at the figures. Um, we know that he's an absolute unbelievable tee green player, but um, obviously, you're, you know, Skyler's going to put him up. You need to put him <laughs> up at 6-4 to four or whatever on your YouTube Yeah, I mean, I, I don't need to... Uh, I can probably put a spoiler alert up on Twitter <laughs> and that. would be pretty safe. Um, you know, yeah, but... I, cracking players. Can Rasmus win, win twice? Yeah. Absolutely, why not? They're both awesome iron players. Um, obviously, Guido's got, you know, got the incentive coming home again. Um, must have a chance, but you know, what can you do? I, I, how many can you back at that price? I don't know. Um, I'd prefer. I think I would prefer, you know, Guido over Callum Hill to be honest with you at the same price. But I'm, I'm, none of them are in my plan anyway. No. Um... I spoke to you earlier about the guys that surprised me that are in the the strokes game putting this at top 10 and, and Dietrich and Martin Keimer are both in there. Um, I'm pretty comfortable putting a line through Thomas Dietrich and and almost the same with Martin Keimer, but he's got a very good record here. Uh, well, not here in this course, but, you know, in the event itself. Um, and if that's anything to go by, you know, he's, he's had two top fives, second and an eighth. You know, he did miss that cut on that 2019 renewal, which... Uh, you know, I'm sure you'll use against him, other than the fact that you don't like him anyway. No, it's, um, not, it's, not, it's not that at all. It's not that at all. I, I, I just think he's underpriced. I think it's, it's as simple as that. I mean, you say about his putting. I mean, he went 68, 68, 47, and then top 10 over the weekend. Um, I mean, okay, you know, he found he found his approaches on Sunday, but everything else. I mean, off the tee was diabolical. Around the greens, he wasn't great. Um I just think there's another player there at 40s that, that should be shorter than Kaima. Yeah, and for the record, I don't actually want to bet Kaima. If, if I was going to bet anyone in this range, it would be Crocker again, because I do think he will win at some point soon. Um, I just think his iron's too well, but I'm, I'm happy to give him a miss at 33 with the better quality in the in the field. He was sort of 40 and 45 last week, and I know he's obviously gone and impressed again, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll wait until he plays a, a you know maybe Wentworth or something like that, but Let's go with your guy that you just talked about there at a slightly bigger price. Yeah. Um, Hills go 35, Skybet go 30, and there's some 40 about for Antoine Rosner, who I thought would be much closer to 30, 30, 33, something like that. Um, two-time winner of proper tournaments, uh, Dubai and Qatar uh, last season. You know, um, 
Well, I was going to say, came back to form, uh, tied 13th over the weekend, but was incredibly impressive. Um, T to green, led that stat from Sadio, who actually is a massive price this week. He is mm. back in form, 275. Um, so led from the likes of Sadio, Catlin, Crocker, Wiesberger, Matt Jordan. Um, Hogard was eighth. Stenson was ninth. Guido was tenth. So, um, you know, he's led a, a pretty decent field here that's relevant to this week. Improved all week. He was he was in plus figures the whole week. Um, went uh, to yeah, six and a half, virtually. Um, plus figure on Tita Green on Sunday. Uh, his approaches were great. Um, around the green, he was good. Patting, he was, everything about him was great. Um, last year, I think he was third off the tee, six of the approaches and fifth Tita Green on the long course um, over there. But the, the weekend's figures were the best figures he's had since the Memorial when he was 18th. Um, and also his win in Qatar, um, which is what, back in March sometime, I think. Um, he's 17th in greens of regulation over three months. He's back in form, Tita Green. Um, he's got form. Um, I think he's got form where you want him to have form. Um, and he, he's got no problems with the class of the event. So you talk about somebody like um, Sean Crocker, who can mix it, but obviously hasn't done it in the grade. Uh, Rosner has done it in the grade. Um, plenty of Alps form. Loves it around here. I'm, I'm struggling to see a negative if he is back. Um, you know, we look at his best, you know, look at his best tee green figures, which is significant this week. Um, like I say, I mean, overall, he's 12, 12 and a half um, plus figure of tee green last week. Go back to the Scottish and Irish Opens, four and nine. Memorial, he was nine. I mean, everything about him just suggests that he's right back into form. Um, I, I'm struggling, Tom. I, I just think 40 away is completely wrong. Well, I think the thing I kind of like about it as well is that when you look at, he only actually made, I say only, he only made 15 birdies last week. Um, I know there was an eagle in there too, but he, I kind of associate him with someone that just gets on these massive birdie runs, and if he can limit his mistakes, he'll get there. But he was, it was quite a clean card. I mean, you think he's probably a little bit of rust there. I mean, he, he played over the Olympics, didn't he? he? Had that little run over on the PGA Tour, and he's yeah, sort he of been here and there and everywhere, hasn't he? Yeah. So I think, yeah, that, I think. I think it actually benefits that he's gone out and done that. I know that people, you know, the, the, I suppose the only negative someone will come up is that he shot 62 on Sunday and was out of it. So that sort of gave him a, a what's the word? But, you know, superficial result is tied 13. But there was never a bad round, really. He was pretty steady on a course that, like you say, took a lot back from people. Um you know, the, the 40s one is probably coming from the fact that he's, it's been a while before that since he's, you know, really contended. But he's had a win, like you say, back in March or whenever it was, the Qatar Open, uh, Qatar Masters. And we just know what he is. We already know that he's quality. Like, it's not, you're not guessing. He's done it already on the Challenge Tour twice. He's done it at the European Tour twice. So there's no, there's no fear in him, is there? Um, and yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, he was, he was right out there in terms of ball striking. Um all over it so the fact that he was he seemed rusty to me suggests there's there's better to come and, and that's only a good thing for you yeah I mean, yeah I mean we'll see what happens right? when you pay your money you, you you know take a chance don't you um, not always been the greatest putter in the world to be fair um, and that happened last week but he's you know like I say he still managed to get we, we talk about putting all the time and people have a go about about the putting figures how relevant are they uh, obviously he was awesome in Qatar when he hit that low uh, second round but he's got you've got to give yourself those chances 
Uh, and if you're going to lead Teeter Green and you're going to be top 10 in approaches, you're going to give yourself an awful lot of chances. Um, and I, again, I, I like the fact that um, I like people to have outs for them. I mean, you know, I've, I've no doubt that yourself later on and, and Sky will be looking for a thousand for one shot that's come <laughs> off the outs tour. Um, they won't win, obviously, um, but they, they may well do very well uh, the top 20. But here you've got um, a player that's won all the way through every grade. Um, and I like the fact that he, you know, he has absolutely no problem, you know, playing in Italy. Obviously, had no problem playing in Switzerland. So, I like to say, I'm, I'm, I'm str- I think, yeah. I mean, apart from Wiesberg, who I think stands out uh, at the top. I think um, that, yeah, that Rosner really should be a lot closer. Like I say, I think he should be 33. Yeah, I can get more with that. There's, there's quite a range now of, of players that. Uh... You know, people would like to oppose and are not quite sure. I mean, Armitage we spoke about off air, and I sort of said that I used him as an example of he shouldn't be the same sort of price as, as Rosner, but I did respect his chances. I mean, he was tenth in this last year, like you say, it's like a different track and all that sort of stuff. But I think that helps, and he was tied seventh last week, played very very well. He's hitting his irons well, so be interesting to see how he gets on. But you know, a couple of players here for me, John Catlin was the first one I kind of looked at yesterday because. We we basically say that John Catlin's overpriced every week um, for one you know one reason or another and he, he just doesn't seem to get the back in. Um, I suspect that people will think that he's not going to go low enough here. Um, he lost four strokes putting yesterday. You know that really really cost him. He was playing really really well. He's first in driving, actually third in GAR last week, fourth in strokes gain approach. Um, you know just he was just hitting the ball incredibly well. Um, you like you say you like linked to the crowns form. There it is. Um, I don't think he played here in 2019, but you know I don't think he's actually played the tournament at all. So I don't see any reason why it wouldn't suit him. You know he's hitting the ball incredibly well. Tree lines always going to help. It's not particularly. It's not a massively long course at nearly seven three. There's a couple of drivable par fours or, or nearly drivable. So the longer guy is going to have that advantage there. But he can just play them steadily as he does. I like John Catlin at sort of sixty-one with five places or six places. Sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of John Catlin, but uh, you should you should forgive people, shouldn't you, for one <laughs> bad twenty-seven holes, shouldn't you? Um, he was making a move Saturday, wasn't he? Um, and then as they made the turn, he it just something happened to him. I, I'm not sure what happened. He lost his way on I think twelve, dunked it in the water on thirteen, something like that. Um, and just lost his way. And yesterday, again, he was he was right there, and just something happened. But I'm a fan of Catlin. I mean, he's still got those figures, isn't he? He's still a terrific, terrific um, Tita Green player. He's a very, very accurate off the tee. Um, he does again. He's one that doesn't doesn't fuss what anybody else is doing. He'll play his own game completely. Um, yeah, I like. I can't argue with you. I, we, we've discussed Matt Jordan already at the same price. One is a three-time winner. One isn't. Um, for some reason I, I liked Matt Jordan's sort of ascendancy whereas I, I could be wrong with Catlin I'll probably you know I'll probably still well, I think he's, pe- he's definitely peaked like there's no doubt in that I don't think he's going to get we're going to see him win two or three times in, in a short space of time ever again I just think that he's a very reliable player seems to make yeah. a lot of cuts will give you a chance I mean he made 19 birdies last week which was third in the field behind Armitage who we've mentioned and someone else that we're going to come on later 
Um, so, I, yeah, I just think he made plenty of chances. The other guy that really I looked at after you mentioned the link uh, to the 2019 review was uh, was Beef. It was Andrew Johnson at 66-1 to 1 because I think his form looks average, but when you go past the, the 60th and missed cut last two events, 9th at the Irish Open, 14th at the BMW International, 17th at the British Masters, 4th at the Canary, he's playing pretty solid. He led off the tee last week. Um, irons weren't great, but I think he can get that back. And he was fourth here in, in 2019. You know, he this is the sort of course you'd expect to suit. Um, I'm not sure on him. If there was more prices come out and he went out to sort of 80 to 1 or something, then then maybe I'd sort of jump in, but I, it's sort of interesting to mention, I thought. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's very worth mentioning. I just don't know what he's going to do now. I don't think anybody does, do they? Well, it's I don't think he does, does he? That's just him, isn't no, it? No, it's, it's, he's impossible to read. And I'm happy to leave him alone, to be honest with you, but, yeah, absolutely. You know, he's, he's got the form. This is the right type of track. Who knows? Yep, yeah, completely agree. Nacho, <laughs> no, no, but I do. It sounds like I'm just trying to move it on, but it, but I, I agree because I, I think he's a very hard player to read. I also think he's generally quite often underpriced because of his popularity, and I just think he's sneaking out to something like acceptable for his current form. Um, and if the course suits, as 2019 would suggest, it does. Um, interesting to look at. This one baffles me, and you might want to come to a couple of players. Marcel C might be worth mentioning. Bjork. Oh, well, that, uh, how good Marcel C to watch. Love it. The fist pump was that, that come out with, was it, the last hole was just phenomenal. No one else. That's it. Uh, 14. He, uh, is he at the Eagle in 14? Yeah, might have done. He, he, he don't care what anybody else thinks, does he? Just doesn't care. It'd be nice if he got rid of that stupid putter, but, you know, what a, what a geezer. What a geezer. That's it, really. I think he's had a couple of top fives in this event as well. If you know, if you think he can keep up the form, I mean, it's it certainly looks. This is not a player that's just come out of nowhere. This is a player that was doing these sort of things back in the day and, and went to the doldrums and some himself got himself back. I think that's quite admirable. Very very popular. Um, doesn't seem quite as hot headed, but I suppose it's easier to not be hot headed when uh, it's going well. So keep an eye on that. But Nacho Ovura, one was it two or three starts ago now. Um, he's sitting there at 100 to 1. This is not a player that, again, is just one out of nowhere. He's he's someone that generally pops up in the right sort of events multiple times. Um, you know, he made more birdies than anyone last week. He made 24 birdies and he made seven in two separate rounds. Um, third at the 2016 Italian Open, 10th in strokes gain approach last week, eighth two starts ago. Three, well, it's, it's longer than that, isn't it? It's four starts ago that he, he won. But. Um, you know, he, he's just hitting the ball pretty well. I think that his reaction to winning has been decent enough, nothing to be worried about. Um, and if it's a course that we suspect might suit, given where he's played well in the past, I just thought 100 to 1 was a little bit disrespectful for someone that's won so recently. I agree. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, would, I, I liked the way he, he improved during the week last week. So Tita Green, he went 82nd through to 6th and 8th over the weekend. Um, his around the green improved from well outside the top 100 to 36 and 18th um, his approaches 77th on day 1 21st 14th and 8th yeah I, I, I actually do like him I think again he's the what's it mean he's the right type of player uh, for this type of course um, yeah, you mentioned his winning Wales you've got people like Beef for example who, who, who love playing that type of course as well and have played 
we think on a relatively sim- similar course in Oyata. Um Yeah, I agree with you. He's in form. His figures are really good, aren't they? Um, lately, when he makes the cut, um, he's got a third back here. Oh, sorry, in uh, the Italian Open in 2016, which is probably too long ago to to worry about too much. But he's got plenty of you know mid 60s efforts. Yeah, I think you're right. I think 100 to one is uh, yeah is a bit too big for him. Yeah, I mean it's it's mainly a prize play to be honest with you. It's not someone that I would you know be really really keen on. But I just thought that 100 to one when you've got a lot of plays in that range that we've just sort of mentioned, I genuinely don't think have a chance. And he's sitting there at 100 to one, and he's shown us that he can win and has done of late. Um, just thought it was a bit much, you know. But nothing, nothing other than the fact that he just made so many birdies last week, like you say, and. What, the point you make about how he improved over the weekend was was significant because you know his, his approaches were dreadful in round one, but literally from sort of Friday onwards, it was twenty fifteen eight. You know it, it, that is a. It's not like someone's come out like you said earlier with Martin Keimer. He, he led the approaches in one round and was terrible all week. He steadily he just found something. It might have just been he had one bad day, didn't he? And then and then just grinds it in. I, I think with him as well is. Um... He's quite good when when he starts well. Hmm. If you look down his record, which I won't bore you with, um, every time he sort of starts in the top 15, top 10, he tends to stay there. Um, to think actually is, is quite impressive because we think That's a lot a good of a lot, to have, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, a lot of players recently. So so you know, like I say, you take your chance at 100, probably 150 on Betfair, something like that. Hope that he starts well and uh, yeah, it looks too big. You can get out and have a nice nice free bet there. I think. Shabun Kashama, I think, is worth talking about. Um, if nothing else, for me to moan about what he did over the weekend. Um, I mean, what was he within three of the lead going into Sunday and basically ruined his chances within four holes. I think he was six over through four. Um, and that was after I just watched James Morrison piss it away after 10 under on the first day and Justin Hardy and Alexander Bjork all go a little bit backwards at the wrong times. But. You know, enough of my sort of moaning about it. Shabanka Sharma, I, I think, is is playing some really, really good stuff. Tee to green, into the greens, you know, with his approaches. You know, it was basically one bad round that's cost him last week. You mentioned 2019, he was there in seventh place. Um, again, he had a, a, th- a 72 on the third day to kind of cost his chances of going into it. So it will be interesting to see what he does. I don't know if, how you come back from a round like he had yesterday. Um, but if he gets off to a fast start, I think he could uh, he could be someone to, to keep an eye on. Yeah, he rep- I know it's he's, he's a bit there uh, because a lot of it's on the Asian tour, but he does repeat his form. Um, so, yeah, you know, we'll see what happens when he comes. I agree with you. I, he, he is catching the eye, but it, was, it wasn't it was great, was it? No, no, it certainly wasn't, and it was, it was very, very frustrating. Um, and then I think, that, I think there's a whole host of names around here. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering if you're going to mention a certain Englishman that we've had um, on the podcast in the past, but um, I'll throw the name out to you instead. David Horsey, what did you think of his uh, yeah, I, yeah, I looked, chances? I, yeah, I looked at him. He, again, ex- the right ty- the right type of player for, for events like this, um, as he has proven in the past. Um, you know, he's done well here, hasn't he? He's got three top tens if you go back um, a few years, four years or so. What do you what do you do about Ireland? Do you say that's just one of those things uh, which you you know you can do, and, and you may say that about a youngster, 
Um, I, I just don't know. It wasn't. I know it was only the last couple of holes, but it, it wasn't good. Having played really, really well, and he's done it before. Um, yeah, look. What can you do? It's, like you say, again, I think it's the right type of course. I'm not sure he's in the type of form to beat some of these um, if they're at their best, you know, like we've been discussing already, the likes of Wiesberg or Rosner uh, and plenty in between. Um, so I'd leave him out. But it's the right type of track. I think it'd uh, be, it would be with the idea of placing as opposed to me having winning upside for him because like you say, he's He's losing out to Daniel Gavins in a in an event when he really should be closing it out of his experience, shouldn't he? So, um, yeah, 125 to one, seven places. Yeah, there's, there's no, I agree. We've we've bigged up uh, Eduardo for a long time. I mean, I really like uh, Franny's chances this week. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure 50 to one. I mean, for what he's done in his career, he's big. Um, well, well, that's the thing, isn't it? Someone, there's going to be loads of people that look at Francesco Molinari, see the fact that he's because he's one of the Italians that does play incredibly well when he comes back here all the time. I think he's won it a couple of times, got a couple of seconds. So he does perform in front of his home crowd, which a lot of them don't. And I actually thought 50 to 1 was slightly bigger than I expected. I just expected him to be unbackable. So it would be interesting because he was on that little run of form where on the PJ Tour it looked like he was back at the start of the season. Pebble, I think it was, and, and a couple of others there. And then he kind of petered away a little bit, didn't he? Um, and it and it looks like he's working his way back. And I just wonder because he's been away, hasn't he? He's moved over to the states. Whether he's whether he's excited to get back. Whether he's gonna have a lot of obligations. You, you know, we we can't second guess those sort of things. We are just purely guessing. Um, so there may be a lot to do. But like you say, his numbers were were decent last week in terms of his uh, approach game. And he shot a 64 in the second round. It's just the uh, the rest of the week wasn't great. Well, his whole career is based on the fact that he's an outstanding Tita Green player. He just went through that stage where he started holding putts. Hmm. I mean, I remember he just couldn't hold a thing, and he was he was regarded as the sort of Sean Crocker, if you like. Yeah, I was going to say Sean Crocker of, yeah. uh, of the European Tour, and it suddenly changed over those couple of years, and and you know, obviously, completely changed his life and his career. But his figures last week were the best since the U.S. Open when he finished thirteenth. And if you look at the miscuts, we discuss this all the time. You know. Um, at Royal St George's, he hit 68 first round. Okay, went on to miss the cut. At the Wyndham, he hit 67 again. Nothing wrong with that. And went on to miss the cut for a bad second round. So the, the game is there. Last week in Switzerland, book it, you know, he's got 72, 64, 71, 69. Um, and round two, if you look at some of the figures for round two, some of the players, they're, they're the worst of their week. So there's something there for Franny. I'm just not sure whether you, you think 51's bigger than you want. I've I, I'd want bigger. No, but I don't I, think it's. I, th- I just think it's bigger than I expected because I think the general public will just back it regardless. I think, you know, the, the average punter will just back him at twenty-five to one regardless, without even seeing his form because it's Francesco Molinari is in yeah. the Italian Open, the Ryder Cup's yeah. coming up. There's people you go on like Instagram and all that sort of stuff, and you see that they keep asking every week who's going to get these final three picks, and people are going Molinari, Stenson, and Rose. So those people don't don't pay that much attention to golf. They don't see the struggle he's going through. So I think he'll command a lot of bets for no reason. Then when he wins at the end of the week, everyone will go, oh, he was 50 to 1, I can't believe it. Um, whereas, you know, he probably should be by rights. If his name was anything else, he'd be 80, 90 to 1 with his current form. So, yeah, that, I think I think the jury's out on that one. Um, 
you mentioned Paratore, he's playing very well um, again, and he's 110 to 1, but doesn't seem to do it in his home place. Van Tonder is someone that I think the trouble with him is that it's a lot of it's around the tee, and I don't think that's going to help him around the tee, on the tee. Um, oh, let's try again, off the tee even. So that's the strength of his game, which I don't know if that's going to help him so much here. I think it's going to be a lot more on his approaches, but I think he actually hit his irons pretty well last week, if I remember rightly. So I think I think he's an interesting one. He made 17 birdies last week, and he's, he's 110 to one. Yeah, absolutely. He's been, I think he's been threatening to do quite a bit. Um, but there's a few. There's a few, isn't there? Like you say, it's, it's a really difficult event. Um, lots of players in form with their irons. Lots of players doing well tee to green. Um, take your pick, don't you? Very, di- very difficult. Very di- really good event, I think, to be mm. honest with you. I think, I think, it, I think it'd be an enjoyable so. event to watch. And um, it's the, it's is, is this the course they're using for the Ryder Cup? Yes, it is. Yeah. So it's That's why be, it's been redesigned, yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be worth watching regardless. It's going to be nice to see what they're going to see. They, I think Guido will be marked as a potential Ryder Cup only in a couple of years' time. So. Well, there's, there's, yeah, I mean, again, yeah, like you, you talk about that and, and there's your Wiesberger, you know, yeah. tie-in as well, isn't there, really, for his uh, incentive. Um, but yeah, yeah, difficult one. I, I think there will be Obviously, one of the home players has to be there. They always are, aren't they? Wherever, wherever you play. Um, just which one? I don't know. It, you know, Eduardo Molinari. Um, we've been, you know, extolling his uh, the, the virtues of his tee to green game. That's slightly gone, but for that return, because of the incentive of coming home, again, must have a great chance. They look smallish greens to me. Um, if he hits them, he's going to have a chance. But he's another one, isn't he? That unfortunately doesn't take advantage of it. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Difficult one. Uh, now, there's a guy that, for me, I thought he was a big price, um, you know, based on just his event history uh, alone. There's a very big uh, discrepancy in his price. So, Skybet Evan 80 to 1, and he's 150 to 1 at William Hill. Um, and I thought Nicholas Colsarts was worth a look. You know, he's been second in this event uh, last year. Obviously, like you say, it was a you know, bigger. Uh, calls and somewhere he can open the driver up but back to back tied 18th finishes one bad round in each um, he was third fifth and fourth in this event back in the day when he was you know in his pomp so I think that if it's anything like the sort of courses that he's played before then that's only going to help um, you know he's 19 birdies last week same as Catlin third behind Elvira 14th 10th and 26th the last three cuts that he's made in strokes gain approach so He's already proven when he played in France, one in France a couple of years ago in 2019, that there's still life in him as a winner. Um, had that chance to win again, like we just said in this event last year. Um, did lose to Ross McGowan, but you know those things happen. Um, he's he's always kind of played well around this sort of region. You know, it makes sense being Belgian to sort of play not that far away from home. Um, and I, I just think that maybe his, his little bit of form over the last couple of starts is maybe been a bit overlooked, maybe by one side and not the other. You know, 150 and, and 80 is quite a dramatic difference. Yep. Go on, I'll give you. Do you not think, would would it be that for you that you would just want him on the track like last year as opposed to the one yeah, that he's going to face this year? Yeah, I, I think Colesart's one somewhere he can open up. And I, I mean, he admits freely that, you know, while he used to be the longest driver back in whenever... 2004, 2005, whenever it was, um, he's he's quite happy. I mean, he, he said it when he, I can't remember when he was contending um, during lockdown. He said, you know, I'm not worried anymore. I just play my game now. So he doesn't get involved in any of that, which which is 
you know, a lot of winner players. Thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, hundred um, percent. I, I just think there are there are players now that are like you mentioned about the David Horsey and people like that. There are too many players now that are too good. Um, and good at everything, isn't it? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's I the think, thing, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. You would say back in the day, David Horsey had a good iron game and he, and he was tidy around the greens, and Colsarts had this massive advantage with his driver off the tee. And now that doesn't matter because everyone does that off the tee, barring a very few people that seem to still hit it 270. But it's not good enough to have one area, is it? And I suppose that is the negative to Colsarts, is that. But that, that's why I think that just looking at the way he's hitting his irons, that, you know, luckily. That suggests that he doesn't, he isn't relying on that at the moment, and that's what kind of draws me to him. It just when I looked at the event form on tour tips and just saw the fact that he he'd played well here so many times in the past, and you would think other Italian Open courses wouldn't have allowed him to hit the driver the way he did. And it's I mean it's been pretty so even since those third, fifth, and fourth, he's at a twentieth or fifteenth from that second last year, twelfth back at right back in the day. So. He's always just played well in this part of the world, and I just think that's a decent price. Yeah, yeah, he does like he does like mainland Europe. Yeah. How far do you think? You know, is there any big outsider? Do you fancy? Or do you think there is going to be one? I mean, Sammy Vanamaki's right down there at two hundred and twenty-five to one. Um, he, he's slowly disappearing out of people's minds. I think you mentioned uh, Sadier earlier. Yeah, two hundred and seventy-five. Yeah, I thought Sadier caught the eye over the weekend. Definitely. I mean, his tee to green game, it was he was awesome. Hmm. Um, you know, really nice figures all four days. Um, it was up there in the coverage for a long while. These um, putting stats tell you, over the three days, he was 106, 93rd and 62nd on Sunday. So that tells you everything you need to know. Yep. Uh, but he's really striking the ball, you know, really well. And, and, and to be honest, when we started talking earlier, I'd forgotten to, to write him down as an eye-catcher from last week. Hmm. Uh, it, look, he's not one you can rely on, obviously, but, at, you know, uh, say 275 or... 350 or whatever he's going to be on the machine 400 probably top 10 top 20 something like that and i i like like i say we you know we like what we think is a correlation between um crayons and here um, or potential so yeah yeah like i say you know it, it's they're small greens again if they're small greens um and you can find them you shouldn't be too far away you may not make the putts that are going to win but you shouldn't be too far away. And uh, I was impressed, you know, 12 shots he gained Tita Green on the field last week. Um, you know, eight and a half in approaches. I, I certainly think that suits this uh, this course. So, yeah, 275 plus on the machine. I'm happy. Yeah, I mean, if you sort of, the market sells, it hasn't for the last few European tour events, but you can get some fancy prices. I mean, McGowan was a 1,000 to 1 last week, so you can get it. Um, he might cut to four or five hundred if he doesn't get put up anywhere. Um, he won't. <laughs> one that I put in my ones to watch, which seems a bit, you know, kind, I suppose, and it might just be that, you know, I find him an interesting person to follow and, and he seems a, you know, really good chap. But Oliver Wilson is starting to show sort of signs of life. Um, and the only reason I sort of mention it is the fact that the the events that are coming up now so he's been second in the Italian Open in the past second in Wentworth and he's won the Dunhill Links the only thing he's ever won so 35th and 21st out of the last two stars and I'm pretty sure uh, let's just double check yep he improved every single round um, last week 70, 69, 67, 68 oh no he didn't improve 67, 68 um, 
you know, I thought that was quite eye-catching for someone that you can't rely on because there are still such massive issues in his game, and that's why he's so inconsistent. But he plays well at this time of year. You know, all of his wins have come between August and October. Um, he's in good form over the last two weeks, and he's going into events that he's got really good memories of. Um, and I think he's a guy, having spoken to him, that, that kind of relies on that sort of good feeling. Um, I don't think he's going to win. Uh, absolutely not. But I think he could uh, he could surprise and get in the sort of top 10, top 20 market. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You're absolutely right. He's one that I did think, funnily enough, if you wanted a massive price for Wentworth, if he's playing, hmm. um, he would be one. Um, it's a great interview. The, the interview that we've got, I can't remember what episode it is. It's uh, it's just an excellent interview. It gives a real insight to someone that, you know, he's, he's ups and he's downs, winning and struggling and... Uh, very thoughtful, wasn't he? And, and and I sort of I put it to him once, and I sort of said to him in that interview, I sort of said, "Did you feel you were misused in the Ryder Cup and stuff?" Like that? And he and he sort of chuckled and said, "I've never sort of been asked like that before." And and then he gave a really thoughtful answer on it. And I, and I do think that sometimes I think that gets in players' way when they're that thoughtful. And I think that might be something that, that he is. But I think when you look back at the career he's had and all those seconds he had, you know, when he was right in his pomp, he was quite unlucky in quite a few of them. And yeah. Then he had the massive, you know, he had the driver yips. He's quite open about it. He he literally could not do anything off the tee. And then I think Robert Rock helped him and he got back into there. I just look and he's just, you know, he's made some, you know, 17 birdies last week. I think he was third in the field and sixth in two rounds. So, you know, just, just there's just something there that I think is worth keeping an eye on just for the run of events that he's coming into. Anything else for you on this event? No. no I don't think so. I think it's, it's still hard to, to really get a, a real strong grip of what it is, but I think we've we've come down two avenues. I really like the, the, the link that you've put in there to 2019. Um, you know, we can go back to 100 years ago when someone went in 1994 against a course next door and, and try and tie that in if we like, but uh, I don't think we need to. So we'll go over to the, the Tour Championship. Disclaimer, I don't think we're going to be talking about the, the handicap odds, are we? I don't think that's that, something that we're that we're really interested in. I did find it funny when uh, Ram was 4-1 to one to win the Tour Championship with the handicap in mind. Um, he is now 4-1 to one still. And he's bigger to win the 72-hold event, which I don't, don't you know, just seems weird to me because he's starting. How many strokes is he starting behind, can't they? It's, it's a few, isn't it? So, oh, I can't. I, I literally can't be bothered. It, to me... It. You just need to look at the 72-hole event. You know, all the course history that we'll look at and, and mention will be based on the 72-hole scores. Um, John Rahm is the obvious favourite. Um, there's no denying that. I think he's you know, he's the best player in the world at the moment. He's got two top seven finishes here. Um, but, you know, 11th and 13, the other two starts here in a 30-man field. It's, it's nothing too exciting, but I think the 11th back in 18, I think he was fourth after three rounds. So, He's been in and around that thing for a long, long time. Um, next up is Xander Shuffle at twelve to one. Dustin Johnson fourteen to one. Rory McIlroy fourteen to one. Bryson fourteen to one. Cantley sixteen to one. Xander Shuffle is not going to make your list this week, is he? But he seems the very, very obvious choice. Yeah. So just go back, John Rahm, uh, mm-hmm. just just quickly. In three of his last um, four events. So he led after halfway, obviously, in the Scottish Open, finished seventh. Led for three rounds at Northern Trust, finished third. Led after the first round, was third after the second at BMW last week, finished ninth. He's not in his sort of all-conquering 
you know, form. No, admit, you know, obviously at his best is um, anyway. Blah, no, there's still question blah. marks, though, isn't there? Like you're saying, it, it, it at one point when he won the US Open and and sort of a little period before that, he looked impenetrable, and it was all because he he would have won that memorial if he wasn't taken off the course. Mm-hmm. You have no idea what he was going to do, though, do you? You can't, you know, looking at what you just said. As much as he had a commanding lead, and I'm sure he would have won it, he could have had a meltdown. He's had a meltdown before. So, if anything, it might have benefited him. He had that he kind of after what happened to him, they avenged it, got his US Open win, has gone on to play really well. I, I do think I've sort of watched an interview of him recently, and he does seem to be level-headed a bit more. And you know, he's got a kid in his life, and that changes a lot of things. But there are question marks. It's not. I don't think he's clear of everybody else like he keeps being put up in the markets all the time um certainly not of xander shuffle at this golf course no no 100 i mean xander loves it here obviously we know that i think we mentioned him very very strongly last year um when obviously he came on and won what can you do i mean it's a 30-man field so um i could certainly imagine you know somebody could put up six seven ten of the top lot win only and you know you, you can easily play about on betfair and um, get the job done um doesn't look in particularly all conquering form to me xander but you know what he's like um there were question marks or question marks at phoenix weren't there question marks at um the masters so there have been question marks about him but he comes back to his favorite track um what do you think well just do <laughs> it's you... not for me today but um just because I don't know how many 12 to one shots you can back. Um, and I think the likes of Dustin and Rory are horrible phrase trending in, in the right direction. Um, and I don't think Xander is, but where that matters in a 30 man field, you only need one decent opening round or one bad opening round and you can, you're chasing, aren't you? So I think what it is, is it's the golf course itself that just makes me feel better about it because I don't know how much the Olympics changed my mind about the doubts that I've had of him in the past. Obviously, it helps that he has got a victory, but he's not reacted great to it. You know, 46th for the WGC, 16th for the Northern Trust, and 49th last week. So, but then you look at the other FedEx Cup playoff finishes, and he wasn't great going into the Tour Championship before either. So, I think he'll be fine. Um, I prefer Dustin Johnson, and and you prefer somebody else. We'll come to in a minute. Um, I just think Dustin's found a bit of form at the right time. He's been pretty, no, I wouldn't say poor, because poor is a, a hard word to use about the world right. number two. But he, since he won the Masters in November, which, you know, is the biggest moment of his career, without a doubt, um, he's been suspect. You know, he, he has been disappointing. There's no two words about it. Um, you know, when we when we won that event, there was kind of thoughts that he was going to go on and win every major and it was all going to open the floodgates and, and all that. But... I think he's had like eight top tens this season, and we might not even be that. I think it might be six, and, and most of them have come over the last eight weeks. You know, he was sixth last week, um, tenth at the, the Philip St. Jude, eighth at the Open, tenth at the Palmetto. Um, you know, it's all coming in recent weeks, and a player of his calibre, once they start showing a little bit of life like that, I know his, his approach numbers weren't great last week, but he was up there off the tee like he normally is. He's returning to a golf course that he loves. You know, he's got two third-place finishes, two fifth-place finishes, which, you know, are, are slightly less impressive when he's in a 30-man field, but still impressive enough. Um, 
it just appears to me that he's kind of sorted whatever it was out because he was he was he was struggling and you know I think now he's got that he's already uh, extended his consecutive season wins hasn't he by winning the Masters despite the fact they had two in one season but it's you've got about 2014 which is where he had six months off for the calendar year of not having a PJ Tour victory and I just think he will get one before the end of the year um, whether it's here or not is remains to be seen but I thought 14 to one in the 30 man field when he's in a bit of better form uh, as he shot like 20 under last week and and it looks like he's not done anything so I thought there was plenty about him at 14s. Certainly, yeah, certainly catching the eye. Caught the eye at the Open. Um, yeah, St. Jude again, done everything right three rounds. And last week, finished well. Um, I think, was it, um, I think during commentary, I'll say it, Rob Lee said something like, oh, he's got the swagger back. Hmm. Uh, you can tell when DJ's happy and he's not happy. He doesn't say it in his face, but you can certainly tell the way he walks. As we've always said, he walks like a champion, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean, it does show you how hard it is to be world number one, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, everyone was saying, you know, John Rahm went through a, you know, three, four week awesome spell. And everyone's sort of saying, oh, you know, here we are next, you know, next biggest major winner, et cetera, et cetera. And it's it's difficult. And it, it admittedly, there is more competition now, but it does show you how great Tiger was. It just every single year. You can look at these and you know the stand is getting better, obviously. But, you know, to, to keep at number one at the top of there continually, 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 and continue to win and get top fives, you know, challenge all the time is so, so difficult. And, and DJ's done that, hasn't he? You know, he went through a, a decent period where he looked unbeatable. But it's a very, very, de- you know, there are other factors outside. And, and you know, you don't get many people where golf is the only thing that matters in their life. Uh, many of these players it's not is it now Um, you know Xander's going through that um, I don't know he's still doing that mind thing with his dad and whatever Um, and he's finally sort of broken his duck if you like Um, so it's interesting be interesting you know their their attitude towards the game I don't think will ever be quite like Tigers was so it's really really difficult to be number one so we we have a go at Dustin or you know for being out of form and he's not really is he he's got numerous top tens and top 25s and stuff um, and there's nothing wrong with what he's doing he's just not finishing it off but yeah last week looked to be a sign um, but he hasn't done it round here he hasn't won round here and at the price I, I what like we say what price it's a 30 man field you know yeah. probably 8 to 10 of them are unlikely to win so we're talking about 20 realistic contenders that can actually win this tournament um, well, how are they going to react compared to where they are in the FedEx rankings if they're in second we said this last year I'm sure if they're in fifth going into Sunday but they can't win the FedEx thing how motivated are they you know do they give that 100% um, to try and win the top I'm sure they do but there still must be that in the background you know they still must think oh okay Cantley's you know one shot ahead of me I've got one round to go I've got no chance Mm. Um, where's their motivation to continue for you know, we've seen it. We've seen it loads of times. It's 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 hard. You know, you make a mistake. One mistake, you have to have that motivation. How many of those will have that if they make an error on 12? And like I say, Cantley is too clear. I'm not sure it'll be the same as a regular tournament. Um, so I'm leaving Dustin out because I've gone for the first time, I think, ever in 80, 90-odd episodes for Rory this week. 
I think he's uh, you, you know more about Roy than I do <laughs> um, but he's everything looks like it's getting there there's bits and pieces of every facet of his game that seems to improve now every single week and he obviously comes to a uh, a course um, where his, his recent record, if we go by a recent record, it's as bad as people beginning with P winning the whatever it was that we spoke <laughs> about a couple of weeks ago. So Rory, obviously, in the last four years has gone one seven one seven. Um, so clearly he's going to win this week. But he looks he looks right. He looks happier with his game, doesn't he? To me, anyway. Um, but over the weekend, Sunday, he played a lot better. Um, there, there, there's something there. He's, he's He's better off the tee at the moment. Um, his irons are not stunning, but where he's missing, he's scrambling fantastically now. Um, and that's going to—that's quite relevant here, I think. Um, but it's scrambling. If you look back at the sort of top five uh, of the last three years, you'll find the scrambling stats. So the top one uh, of the top five scramblers, they finished uh, positions one to seven in 2020. First, seventh and ninth. Overall, finished in the top five of scrambling 19. In uh, 18, I think uh, the first, second and fourth finished in the top uh, three of scrambling. So it's very important. He looks much happier with his short game. Uh, par fives. Par fives count massively. Hatton and uh, Scheffler uh, were prominent last year, as was Kepkov in 2019. Rory's never going to be far away on par fives. Um, Putting, interestingly enough, possibly cost... A few of these, their chances over the last couple of years. JT, Rahm as well. Scheffler, definitely. And Morikawa, we know, can't putt anyway. Except when we really oppose him and then he puts <laughs> like flipping ten, demon. Ten but I like Rory. Yeah, when he was seventh, when he was seventh, he came off a 12th at the BMW. I think at the 65th on the Northern Trust. I know it was a different track. Yeah. When he won, he was 19th at the BMW. Uh, 2018, he was fifth at the BMW. And when he won, he was 42nd at the BMW. I know it was a different track. But he looks right to me. That 43rd, 4th is very reminiscent of a uh, half-decent showing uh, last time. And I think he's in slightly better form. So at, uh, is there 14? I don't think there is. Is there, is there 14? Yeah, there's 14. Yeah, there is. Yeah. You can't get on that. But, you know, it'll be 14 on Betfair. Um, so 12, 14, first five. I, I think he's absolutely rock solid. I, you know... I think the thing that the the one main thing I'd say about Rory McIlroy is he just likes his golf courses, doesn't he? You know, he does go back to the same ones. He he won Quail Hollow when it wasn't quite right, because that's just what he does. You know, it's where he performs. And I agree with with almost everything you say about the short game looks in really good stead. I think he was tenth in strokes game putting last week. Um, his chipping's definitely improved. Um, off the tee, now that he, I think he was second off the tee last week, and that's reminiscent of. Rory McIlroy of old. There was one shot that was horrendous that he got away with. He he, he was on sort of a downhill lie, I think, and he, he tried to cut a freewood into there and hit it terribly. And that's, I think there's still some to work on in his approach game um, because he is going through a transition still. Um, but his irons, whilst they're not the strength of his game at the moment, they're not horrendous. He's not like he's losing tons of strokes. So, I wouldn't worry about it, and I think, like you say, if it if it was a another golf course, and and I didn't think he was so good at this event, um, I probably wouldn't agree with you on so much. But I think just the fact that you're you're playing him on this golf course at fourteen to one in a thirty man field when he's when we basically say that we whenever he gets to twenty to one or twenty five to one, he's too big in any event anyway. 
why not take fourteen about him? Uh, of course, he absolutely loves Archery. Just had a good result. Yeah. Other than that, I don't really have too much to say about the Tour Championship. I don't like the format. Um, I don't really get why they go all season long the way they do, and then yeah. just completely skew the points. I mean, Finau shouldn't have the chance. To, I love Tony Finau. So glad he won. Don't understand why he's in the hunt for $15 million, um, more so than someone like Colin Murakawa, um, who's been phenomenal all season long. So I don't like the format. I don't like how heavily each event gets sort of weighted. Um, I think if they're going to do that, you might as well just get to a certain point in the playoffs and then just restart the points. But it is what it is. Um, Scotty Scheffler was interesting, 25-1, to 1, just purely because I never, I never find him value. Um, I always think he's too short because it, you're pricing on the fact it's going to happen at some point. Um, you, you mentioned last year that obviously the passing cost him. He finished second uh, he, in he, the 70 hours for him. Go on, sorry, Tom. Go on, go on sorry. Oh, you go. You carry on. Yeah, yeah. The passing cost him, but he led the tee to green, I believe, yeah. as he as he always does. And, and he was second, I believe, in the proper tournament. Was he not? Yes. I think it's 12 under, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, three shots behind Sander. So, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, carry on, mate. No, and he was fifth last week with his approaches, um, despite the fact that he, he didn't play very well um, overall. I think he's you now 43rd and 22nd, but there was, it was really, really low scoring last week. So if you, you know, I think Dustin shot 20 under and was nowhere near. So if you weren't, if everything wasn't firing, I mean, he opened with a 73, didn't he? So he had work to do and only got up into the 27th place, but his irons were great. Um, he's returning to a golf course that he's got generally good memories on that one you know but one standing finishing second in that so for me i just want to take him this is I've, I've been waiting all year to have an event where i think right i might as well just plumb for him now and i keep thinking it'll be in a bigger event it'll be in a major i'll just back him at 60s or 80s or whatever and it just doesn't happen so why not just take him at 25s when he's he might not even have to beat 30 people because patrick reed's probably not gonna play so he's only got to beat 28 other people um i'll take him at 25 to 1 Interestingly, um, over the last three months in par five performance, DJ Rory and Scotty Scheffler are tied twenty second. So I find no. it just a bit of bit of no. that is weird, isn't it? It's it's very strange. They're the, they're you know, I think they're the three we quite like off the top. <laughs> um, just very very weird. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you're talking marginal differences. You know, to get into the top ten is like yeah. you know half a shot. But it's just interesting. I thought. Do you. You you know, there's a big range now between Jordan Spieth at 20s and 12s in some places, so I don't particularly fancy him, but I thought it was interesting to mention. I think you now you just you come further down now and just and just take the the guys that you you know have got winning upside. Abraham Hansen now has it. Sung Im is playing a lot better. Um, again, we don't like you say. I always say these things to you, and you say we can't second guess them, but. It, it seems very clear to me that Sung Jae-yum is now performing very, very well now that Olympics is out of his mind. Like he's, yeah. he's he's very clearly playing better now. So I think that it's been a long-term thing that he's been kind of building towards, put a load of pressure on himself, because it is a massive thing. They lose like two years of their life and and some of them don't, or most of them don't come back. So I think there is, I don't know if there's motivation now to get all those kind of big results and wins, that, you know, now before he can cram it all in before he has to go off and do his military service but he certainly seems to be playing better after he's been freed up because of that and I thought that 33 to 1 was a decent price back I, I, I discussed it earlier I, I thought Sung Jin played really really well over the weekend 
Hmm. Um, I think it, there's a problem that he's not wearing the same shoes he was at Masters, which is why he's not doing it. But that's just my view. But I mean, his figures improved massively from 2019 to 2020. Um, I mean, lost shots and everything apart from putting in 2019. And then last year, the only thing he lost shots on were, was putting. Um, <laughs> but he did have plus, he had, I think he had virtual plus figures everywhere else. They weren't marvellous. He was minus six, I think. Um, so he was midfield, wasn't he? Uh, but it was it was more of an improvement in his game than the actual placings, um, and yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he's he's striking the ball very well. He's very very difficult to predict, isn't he? Um, you don't know what he's going to do, but he, he makes a ton of birdies. Um, last week, yeah, he was absolutely he was absolutely fine on on uh, you know with everything with his iron play, his approach play. Everything is putting. Uh, I, I actually quite like him. I don't know what speciality bets you can get in a 28-man field, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, I mean, top tens are probably, you know, going to uh, Lord knows what they would be. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think I think 33. You know, again, and I'm not knocking Scotty Scheffler, but you know, Sanjeev is a winner. Mm. Uh, Scotty Scheffler isn't, and I appreciate that he will win. But Sun James a bigger price. Uh, I, I, I think, know it's. I know there's variables, and I, I get all that. And and Scheffler's iron play is so good. It's just a matter of um, when he grows into his own body. Um, <laughs> it's huge, isn't he? Um, he is huge. Yeah. Uh, interesting enough, though. Sung Jay was first after 36 here last year as well. So you mentioned that the, the big improvement statistically, but he also has, you know, he shot at a 64 in the second round and okay, didn't finish it off. But yeah, he now uh, he's, he's now got the the thought process of oh, I can shoot low here and I've I've led after a round. Yeah, the point the point about yeah exactly. So so what you know the point was that from 15 to 12, it wasn't necessarily just you know a, a, which in a 30 man field is minuscule. Hmm. Um, it was the fact that it was a much much better performance, and I think he's performing extremely well at the moment so you know there's nothing wrong with 16 you know you go you know top 25 Wyndham but then go 16th third in the first two FedEx tournaments nothing wrong with that at all you know it's a it's a lovely way to approach this um, not sure whether he's got the temperament for something like this if it comes down to to the heat of the battle but 33 to 1 28 man field I'm, I'm happy yeah there's also uh, a case you made that you could just try and chase the place money and some of these outsiders I mean Sergio has been playing yeah. exceptionally well um, without much returns I think really for what he's been doing uh, his ball striking has been excellent um, you know he's played very, very well in this course in the past I think it did have a bit of a change recently which would affect maybe the fact that he was he lost in the playoffs in 2008 so a bit of, bit of old form there and he's gone three top 10s which are not as exciting when they're in top 30s but I just think the way he's playing and I think that the massive thing about it as well is I think he really likes to, not only is he chasing a pick, which I think he's pretty much all guaranteed to get in the Ryder Cup, but I think he likes to justify it. Like he's had to rely on a pick again for the second Ryder Cup in a row. It's going to be against a cap, it's going to be from a captain that everyone thinks he hates, which I think they've all got over now. Um, so he's now going to prove to everyone that he deserves it again, which he did last time, and then play very, very well in a Ryder Cup. I think there is just something about these people that they do just switch on at this point. And he was never outside the top six last year he was fourth after every round last week um and he finished sixth. he he had one terrible hole where he just got stuck in a bunker and had three shots out of there um which is sergio garcia in a nutshell when he's in contention at sometimes so yeah i think the 45 to one about him 
the way he's hitting it in a 30-man field was was pretty generous. Yeah, he was um, he was 55, and then Brad put him up, I guess, from a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, thanks, Brad. Uh, yeah, that's all right. So he was 55, which was big. But yeah, like you say, in this sort of field, he's hitting the ball extremely well. Um, I'd prefer, like, I, I, I think you could probably cross out 10 of these, which leaves a 18 man field, something like that, that potentially can win. And he, he's one of them. I think there are doubts of those above. Um, you know, JT's playing very well, but there's, there's something not right there, is there? Um, the short game suffering and, uh, you know, he's lost putts here. I think last twice that he's, yeah, 2009, 2020, he's lost, he's lost, um, strokes game putting. Um, I wouldn't really want to be on Brooks Kepka at the moment. Um, although if they, you know, somehow pair him with Bryce, then that should be a laugh. <laughs> Morikar was huge at 25 in the 30 man field, but he's been shocking, hasn't he? Um, I think there is an injury there, isn't there? The way he's been playing, because it's, I know it, it is variable in the way that he hits the ball and it, well, it hits the ball really well all the time, but he's putting sometimes. Um, I'm assuming Louis stays and you're ruling out because of his dodgy neck and oh, he's kind of gone off the ball, hasn't he? Patrick Reed is out, I yeah. think. Um, so that there's another one. Stuart Sink is not going to win the Tour Championship, despite the fact he's had an incredible season and deserves to be mentioned in everything Absolutely. for Absolutely. all of the awards. Um, Kevin Nye I've really, really liked recently. He's always overpriced, um, but his form at this golf course is pretty tragic, even though you would correlate the Wyndham with the Donald Ross design and, and he plays very well there. He's just never done it here. So I don't see that changing. I think he's a creature of habit. The only other one is Eric Van Royen. The way he's playing is is exceptional, isn't it? You know, that he's hitting the ball better than most. I think he was, he was first in strokes game approach last week. Um, I think he was up there in tee screen as well. Um, and he's just been on a tear, isn't he? He got that win. Uh, you know, in low grade at Barracuda, but he was 37th at the Wyndham, where he was better than that after a couple of rounds. Um, seventh in the first playoff of eight and fifth last week. I just think if you just want to go and take him on and, and try and get 10 to 1 that he finishes in the top five out of 29 players, um, that would be what I'd do. I'd, again, I don't think he's going to win it. I think one of the top ones that we've mentioned in Dustin and Rory will will certainly be up there, and, and so will Xander. But I, I, just, I just think you can chase decent price value there. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, in terms of winning, so I think you do need to have it to run out here. Mm. Um, you need to know what you're doing, what you're facing, what the media attention is like, because it's constant, isn't it? It's like, oh, no, you know, now you're 12th and uh, in three seconds you might be ninth, or you might be 15th, <laughs> and, and I'm sure the players get totally pissed well, off. That, and that is going to affect, you know, you, you mentioned the fact that people will switch off if they haven't got a chance. That's going to affect someone like Van Royen much more than it is, you know, John Rahm. As, as, as much as the fact that mm. Eric Van Royen probably can't win the fifteen million, he will bonus, have a go at winning it, winning the tournament. He's gonna have to go. He's gonna. He's desperate to do it. And any any improvement that he makes, any financial improvement he makes, is going to be really distracting. And if the, the the strangest thing happens and he's right up there and in the mix, then I do think that could get to him. So, in terms of that, would be the concern is if he got right in the mix yeah. and somehow the others went away that that he'd. Uh, shoot himself out of it it's funny how they how they look at it and and i haven't looked into it enough to to you know to know but i just was listening to van royen's interview yesterday where he said oh you know i'm going to be whatever behind behind patrick cantley but i'll give it a go um so rather than thinking i know obviously it's baited that the money is i mean i'm not sure how much they need but 
Um, you know, it, in terms of the money, it's, it, this handicap rubbish. But it was interesting to listen to him say that that's how he looks at the tournament, rather than say, and I'm sure they will, rather than say, I'm going out to try, you know, to try and win this tournament on, on a stroke play situation. Hmm. I know it doesn't matter. Um, but the fact that they're already going into it, going, I'm six behind Cantley or whatever behind Ram or, or whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, it's slightly concerning, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned. But I suppose it is what it is. So that that's my only issue with with that. If that's the mentality they've got, and they start chasing because they're six, seven behind, um, lots of things can go wrong around here. Yeah, yeah. As I say, we've said what we said about the that's format. why I think. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's why I think the experience is is vital. Yeah. Uh, because you you need to put that away from you. You just got to play your game. You can't be. We discussed earlier how brilliant it was when we saw KH Lee on the 18th. All he needed was par. Yeah. And I don't know what the second shot was. It was just shocking. Um, and and his then his, his chip out was shocking as well <laughs> from the rubbish. Um, but you saw him. You know they knew where they were, didn't they? The leaderboards are up there. They knew where they were what they had to do to do it. But now you come to the final, I'm not sure that thinking like that is is really the way to go about it. And that that's what we're up against as punters as well, I think. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. I think that, like you said earlier about having a look at it, it's, and what you, I'm basically just repeating what you just said, is that it's not just the course and seeing the course, it's actually being in the situation of what is happening with your ranking. Like, you know, as much as we don't think Eric Van Royen can win it from the position he's in, if he gets into the top five, that means an awful lot more than than what it did a week before. And I don't think Eric Van Roy worries too much about money, but it matters a lot more to him than it does Roy McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, etc. So there are just so many, without being in it and without speaking to someone that's been in it, it's just hard to tell how they approach it other than the, the sort of clips they give us in interviews. So you kind of have to take them at face value, I suppose. But I do. I think it needs a revamp. They need to do something to it. Um, I don't really like it. I used to just prefer it when it was what it was before. Um, just, but... just, sorry, Tom. Just Sorry. interestingly, looking at um, data golf, the worst, the bottom twenty-five uh, of course history um, on on based on strokes gained at the course, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, yeah. includes Daniel Berger, who you would think would actually be better than that. Brighton, yeah. who we haven't spoken about because um, you're obviously clearly avoiding it. Uh, Patrick Reed, who doesn't play. Patrick Cantley and Kevin Nahr have all got negative figures, um, strokes gained overall at their at their history at this golf course. So, obviously, Xander leads, but it was just quite interesting to see that. No, I think I think now we'll talk about. It seems a bit backwards, but we'll recap what happened uh, last night. I think that we saw Bryson and Patrick Cantley go at a golf course in a very different manner, um, a very different approach. Both went toe to toe. Um, Patrick Cantley putted like Tiger Woods of old um, gained nearly 15 strokes on the greens throughout the week we didn't think he could possibly back up the 6 strokes he gained on Thursday and he did 5 strokes on uh, Friday so it it was just great to see but I do think as we've both discussed off air that the, the Bryson thing is actually getting it's just getting beyond like annoying now about how against him everybody seems to be I mean when I watched him and, and I was watching it live when he asked Patrick Cantley to stop walking he didn't say anything offensive he didn't shout at him he didn't get frustrated he just said Patrick can you stop walking and Patrick Cantley has come out and said that 
he was walking fast because they were put on the clock and, and whatever. He didn't do anything. There was nothing outrageous about that comment. He's asking someone to stop walking while he's trying to hit a wedge shot, which is, you know, any golfer would do. I mean, it's, I'm sure Sergio Garcia and someone did it at the Masters not that long ago. I think it was Justin Rosen hitting out the thing, whatever. It is ridiculous to get on his back about telling someone to stop walking. If Patrick Cantlay told Bryson to stop walking, Bryson would get stick for walking. That it just does not make any sense. And the, uh, you know, Bryson should have won that event yesterday. There is there is no two ways about it. If he had, you know, he had a couple of putts that, that kind of missed and the chip shot that we discussed that kind of lit him down and, and cost him a lot. He should have won that event yesterday. And then now all it's going to be is talking about the fact that, you know, he, he asked someone to stop walking and, like you said earlier, someone hollered at him on the way out. It's just getting beyond a joke with Bryson DeChambeau now. Yeah, I, 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 look, we're not heavily politically involved in what goes on. And, and there's obviously stuff that goes on in the background that we don't hear about, but it is getting very, very silly. And uh, I think some of the abuse he's getting is, yeah, I mean, look, he does, he, he's strange and whatever, but it, it was bought on by another player, I think, originally. And it's just escalating, escalating. I don't think that when someone's, I mean, you could, you could see how much he wants to win. I mean, it, it's very interesting. I think Justin Ray put a, um, a tweet up, which I've lost now. Uh, oh, I might be able to find it now. Oh, Tony Johnson, my apologies. DeChambeau's back nines within contention at majors and prestige events this year. US Open 44, St. Jude 41, PGA 40, Masters and Players 38. Um, so that, that tells us, you know, that, that there is a story there. Um, but equally, it, there's things going on that, that I don't think he should be suffering. I mean, you know... He's just lost the tournament. He's walking through the um, the tunnel or whatever it is, and he can still hear people, you know, cheering Cantley or whatever. And he, I'm not saying he's lost it, but yeah, you know, like you say, there were situations he didn't take best advantage of yeah. from his play. Let's put it like that. Um, and he's entitled to be angry, no matter whether we think he's shit at short game or not. Um, <laughs> he's entitled to be angry, and and someone to shout out something like, you know, go on Brooksy or someone like that is just. It's not football. We, it's just, we just don't need it. Um, and I know people said, oh, look, you know, it's just talk and you should be able to ignore it. You know, the man's gone through four days of trying trying to win a tournament and, and he does four hours after and he does this and he does that. And It was intense with Cantley. You know, you saw Cantley shake his hand. He, they, they weren't looking at each other. No. You know, they don't particularly like each other. I don't, think, no. I don't I think there's a lot of the PGA players don't like each other anyway. Well, I, don't, I think I think that's a general thing on the PGA Tour. I don't think there's any, you know, the couple that I've spoken to on the podcast, there's no camaraderie on the PGA Tour. They've all got their own, they travel with their families, they've got their own RVs, they all rent their own homes. They don't need to be friends. We see it in the Ryder Cup, that's why they don't, it really annoys me at the moment that everyone's like, oh, you should put Webb Simpson in the Ryder Cup team because no one else will want to play with Bryson DeChambeau, whereas Webb Simpson would be nice enough to do it. It's like... For God's sake, like, they'll yeah. put it aside for one round. Anybody that plays with Bryson is going to get this massive, unique advantage off the tee they never get before. I'm sure some of them will quite enjoy that at some point. Um, I imagine he'll play very, very well at the Ryder Cup at some point. Um, like you say, I think he, I think the trouble is is that he doesn't deserve the abuse he's getting now, and I think he's always got a little bit more abuse. Because you, you read from some players and you read from a lot of the journalists that know him and met him he's very very polite loves the history of the game loves to share his experiences i think there's a good 
person behind him. Um, I think he instigated this thing with Brooks, which doesn't help. And I think that I think he did it because social media is rewarding forty million a year. And yeah, I don't get and that at all. Yeah. It's, I think that's what's happened because you see all these people now coming out on Twitter that are just making comments that don't need to be made and and just talking about to people and offering support to people they never would have offered support to and stuff. It's it's quite weird. And I think Bryson because he's he knows what it is to build a brand and and do all that. I think he just did it. And he's probably regretting it now, and it's probably gone too far. And some people can cope with it, and some people can't. And I just don't, I don't see the need to just keep dogging him. Like when he does something stupid, when he tries to get relief for a fire ant, mock him. Like he's he's being stupid. When he's asked someone to stop walking while he's playing a shot, don't get on his back. You know, it do, it doesn't make any sense. Patrick Cantley doesn't smile or talk or do anything to anybody. He's literally the most. I think the most I put a tweet up. The most emotion he's ever shown was a fist bump yesterday. Mm. Um, he doesn't. He, there doesn't need to be a thing there that oh, that's another two people that can't play with one another. I'm sure they'll be fine to play with one another at the Ryder Cup. He'll probably play. With, he can play with Bryson DeChambeau. It doesn't matter. Uh, he'll play with Tony Fina. Sorry, it doesn't matter who he plays with. He will play well. So I just don't. I don't see the need to just keep going. In, like it's not going to change. He's not going to change. The way he plays the game at the moment is not going to change until he thinks it can't improve him any further and he'll just find something else. Um, why do we? I don't really get why we need to not keep talking about it. Like there's there's a definite agenda against him now, and then I think there's people that are overdoing. Like you mentioned about Wayne Riley, yes, about how amazing it is what he does. I think people are now trying to go over the top in his, their praise of him to make up for the fact they've been abusive of him in the past. It's just all getting a bit out of hand with him in social media and, and in the media in general. Yep. So that's that's the part on Bryson and Patrick Gantley last night. It was an, you know, a thrilling Sorry. final round, wasn't it? It was it complete was. match play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was great. They just went blow to blow. I mean, they. I think it was, is it the 12th that was the par 5 where Patrick Gantley laid up and there was a lot of questions about the fact that he didn't go for it when he, you know he's one behind. I thought, well... He's made birdie on that hole every day. It's not a deciding factor, this hole. He's got another six ahead of him. Guarantee birdie rather than trying to force an eagle. So both of them played their games to their strengths. Patrick Cantley made more putts than he's ever going to make. So that's how he got the job done. I mean, Bryson gained nearly 10 strokes putting. So as much as it looked bad, the ones he missed, and they missed them at the wrong time, it was like you say, it was his short game when he didn't take advantage of hitting brilliant drives that really that's, cost him. That That's my problem with Bryson. has been for the last... However long we've been doing this, it's not it's not but, feel, is it? That's that's the there's no feel around the greens. There is no feel. He, like I said, he was in exactly the same position on the par five. He was short of the par five with his second, exactly the same as Sergio had about ten minutes previous. Sergio went to the ball, scooped it up, bomb, 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 two bounces, skidded, came back, and Sergio had done that three and a half foot or something. Bryson has exactly the same shot. He couldn't. He just couldn't do it. He just he's not capable of doing it, and no. that's not a problem. It's just, what is the point of hitting the ball 390 yards or whatever when you can't finish it off? It's, it's a, I don't see... Obviously, there are courses where this is a huge advantage and he's shown that enough times. Um, but I don't see how that is an advantage when you, um, when you can hit a 320-yard drive and you're just as good with a... 
you know, laying up and, and you're just as good with a, a, you know, 70, 80 yard wedge and you're yeah. more than likely to get up and down. I just don't get the advantage. Um, and that's my problem with him. It's, it's not with him. It's just the way he plays. And Cantley, to be fair, you know, he did have to putt like an absolute demon to win that. You know, he had to make, like it, he had to make like an eight foot uh, bogey hit, putt, didn't he, on 17 to sustain well, it? There's the point. There's the point. Is Cantley had to putt like that to win it, and yet Bryson can't take advantage of half the drives he has. No. And that's what I actually can't compute in my own head as well. I, I just can't compute the fact that had Cantley not done that, Bryson probably wins by three. Hmm. And yet he wasn't that good. So I, I, I can't. I don't get where he's getting the scores from, not being that good because he isn't. He isn't three, four, five shots clear of a Rory or a DJ on a course like that. Um, and it's obviously something he does, and, and I don't see it. Um, but fair play, can't he? Well, I think, you know, you know he, 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 Sorry, he just sets up all the chances, putt. doesn't he? So he had that bogey putt, didn't he? Like a 12-foot bogey putt, which was just nails. That was just yeah. bond. Anyway, sorry. He just sets up so many chances. That's all, he, that's all his scoring is. It's just that he... He almost gets to the point on the par fives where he can't not make birdie, despite even if he hits a really terrible approach, because he's got two chances at it, and he'll drive the par four. And you know, it is an asset. But the trouble with it is that because you know, you could easily say, right, well, he's really good to drive now, so why does he keep practicing it? Because of the way, because of the way he hits the ball and how far he is, well, he has to keep doing his speed training, and he had to keep dedicating and keep. Because it has to be so repetitive, and because if he if he takes his eye off the ball at any point, it's just going to go miles off the earth. He can't give up that time that he's putting into that driver, so he can't go and put the time he needs to dedicate into that shots around the green. Because I'm sure he had feel as a college player, and I'm sure he had it as an amateur. Because he was he was very very good, so he needs to go and get that back. Um, we say that, but he's, he just keeps winning, and he just keeps contending for wins as well. So. He should have won yesterday. Like I say, it's hard for me to understand how he he wins by well, he wins by by miles. Mm. If Cantley doesn't putt like he putts last night, he wins by three or four minimum, but not Which playing is, very. Well. And that's the thing is, it's frightening. We we sort of say about certain players that if they could putt, they'd win by tons. And Morikawa would win every week if he could putt. And if Bryson figures out that a bit around the greens. Does he become, you know, I don't even know. Is he world number one by that point? I'm assuming he is because he has that advantage off the tee. But then Patrick Cantlay does exactly the same thing. You know, he matches him blow for blow almost right up until the end. You know, not playing his best tee to green. He didn't play, he didn't play great tee to green yesterday. It's just that he was absolutely nails with the putter. So it... There is, you know, as much as it looks a clear advantage of the tee, it obviously isn't. It's just, it's just a repetition of it. Where there's there's scores out there, and when there's low scores available, par fives, yeah. drivable par fours, he gets it, um, and it works on enough courses per year to help him. But would you would you consider that he's that much in advance of a DJ or of a? I mean, they can all drive these. They can all drive these. You know, a DJ, Rory. Scott, I mean, Scotty Sheffield hasn't proven it yet, but you take those two for example. He, he seems that that when you know when they're playing well and when they mm. drive these and when they putt well, you can see it. Mm-hmm. You just don't see it with him. 
it, no, it doesn't change. It's what's like one mode, isn't it? I think I think the advantage comes with the fact that he just has those shorter irons in out the rough all the time, and, and so it's the speed aspect as opposed to the the driving. I think the driving makes it look more important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is. they had a shot. I think he was on the par five out the rough. He was, and radar said, "Oh, it's right down the bottom or whatever." You know, mm. because he changes his view whoever the player is, doesn't he? Right. <laughs> So he said it was right down the bottom, and it was 230 or something. And uh, he smashed it to the back of the green, and they were all, oh, you know, how marvellous that was. And then his chip was crap because he didn't know what mm. to do. And he just thought, well, what's the point? He can't he can't hit it out the rough, 239 yards, and stop it by the pin. No. It's impossible, yeah? So it's, he's going to have to chip from out of the rough or have a really bizarre putt that he's not be able to read. So... I would say five times out of ten he gets it up and down. Whereas it needs to be seven. Yeah, I would say you'd probably improve that if you'd laid that up to eight yards. Any other player to an accessible pin would have left themselves sub ten foot putt for birdie, eight out of ten times. I just don't get it. So fair play to the man that can that you know he can do it, and I can't work out how he's doing it. I think I think the thing is it, it is a perfectly fine formula for the PGA Tour in general. And I think that it's going to give him a, a, a substantial career of wins. If he wants to go and win Augusta and win Opens and win uh, US Opens when they're not just courses where it, the longest wins it, then he would have to make that improvement in his game. He would have to improve his wedge games around the green. And even in, even even his shots from 100 yards and in aren't as good as they should be. Um, it's just that he just has so many of them that it doesn't matter. His his iron game in general is fine. Like I think he's seven, eight, nine irons, five, six irons, whatever is fine. It's just that there is that weakness around the greens. And like you say though, every time if if he had that, he'd be the best player in the world and he'd be unbeatable. So it's it's just one weakness on one player, I suppose. But I do the the overriding point I think about Bryson is that I think it needs to stop getting so like just completely just heckling him at every event and the media just needs to stop making the points about the fact that he's unlikable and he can't be played with other people and it's just getting to the point where it's it's almost bullying and it's just it's just boring i I, I don't i have to mute the word bryson about three or four times a week because i just get bored of reading about him and it's not and it's now not even him i think he started it and i think it's just getting taken on further enough of moaning about golf media and, and doing things like that because you know the more we talk about it the more we're doing it as well so um, does that put a bow on the tour championship say again does that put <laughs> does that end our tour championship yeah talk? I think so yeah I, th- I think yeah, this, yeah the handicap is all nonsense in it but um, like I say who know? I don't know who's going to be uh, up for it but we'll see yeah Absolutely. Well, I will quickly run through my Italian Open thoughts or picks at the moment. Um, I do like Sean Crocker, but I think he's slightly too short for the field. Really like John Catlin there at 60 to 1. Um, interested to see div- dive deeper into Andrew Johnston. Uh, like Nacho Rivera at 100 to 1. Um, Shabanka Sharma 125 is worth a look. And I really, really like Nicholas Colsarts at 150 to 1 um, with seven places. Uh, over to you for your Italian Open picks. Rosner, who um, get on that 40 because I think he'll get put up and then he'll just collapse. Um, I think he makes obvious appeal. I think he's the best bet on the card. But 
Bert Wiesberger, I think, in some way, even if it's just a saver. Uh, Nacho Vera with you. And um, if he goes off to something stupid on Betfair, top 20 on Adrian Sadier. He played really well last week with Franny down, maybe, depending. I'm not sure yet. Yeah. Oh, and also Oliver Wilson, I think, is worth looking at at the sort of top 10 and top 20 markets. I think he's uh, playing some good golf. And then over on the Tour Championship, I like Dustin Johnson. I like the way he's playing. I think it's. I think he's had five top 10s. Uh, in 2021 on the PJ Tour and four of them have come to the last eight events so I think that's quite telling um, Scotty Scheffler at 25-1 to 1, um, I just really like the fact that you know we've, we've been trying to back him all year and I think now he's in a 29-man field it's probably worth taking a chance um, and I think that Sergio and Van Rooyen are big for uh, for place chances and I, I, I do really really like the reasoning for Rory McIlroy and I, I do think that he is a I don't know if he's a really good bet at 12 to 1, but I think he is value at 12 to 1. Yeah, uh, potential for Sung JM, Scotty Scheffler, and Sergio, but yeah, there is only one, I think, this week, and for the first time, it is Rory. There you go. We can uh, we can piece that out that you've gone for Rory McElroy for the first time in about 375 days of this podcast. Um, so, yeah, really, really impressed. I think that. I think it's going to be it'll be a good event. It always is. I just don't like the things around it. I don't like the the, the side story of the Tour Championship. But I think two decent fields, two decent events, and uh, another week of golf in the book. So uh, if everyone can go and sort of review the podcast, comment, likes, whatever you do, um, get in touch with us. If you want us to talk about different things? But uh, the newsletter's out there now as an accompaniment, um, so that's worth subscribing to as well. So plenty of stuff there to dig into. And thank you very much for your support. Cheers, Jason. Thank you, Tom. Good luck this week.